the Popcorn Ready Podcast. It's your host, Hatch. Yes, sir. And Black Panther, a.k.a. T.O. Oh, my goodness. This hey, guy. He, hey, guy. you can't. You hey. can't. No, you're not. Well, you you are today. You are today. I'm the fastest guy. We had the fastest 50-year-old 50, 50 in the world <laughs> on the show today. That's okay. That's T.O. Right. is who I, I will give you that, buddy. I, I take that. I take that. I, t- I appreciate and, it. Anybody else want to run me? I, I'm ready. Who wants there to you smoke? There you go. There you Who go. Hey, anybody tuning in, if y'all get y'all want to race T.O., y'all hit us up. We go put them on the track or on the football field, racing a 40, a 100, nothing crazy like the 400 or something, but we go put them no. out. That's right. Me and Tyreek, we the fastest things, uh, you know, on the planet right now. Me and Tyreek Hill. Oh, man. Stop putting yourself in that category. Hey, I'm Please. just saying, dog. People say, hey, they saw it for themselves. That's This is something you cannot dispute right now because people have seen it for themselves. Hey, All I can hey. t- roll the tape, baby. Roll hey, the tape. Roll, roll the tape. I mean, you had 15-yard head start. What do you want to... You want to do hey, that you know was the bet. That was the bet. Had oh, he bet me to go straight up with him, then there wouldn't have been it. a bet. That wouldn't have been a bet <laughs> because I know better. I like the honesty. Thank you for the honesty, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> but if you give me a 10 step head start and you and think you you're gonna beat me at a hundred, man, try, hey, Justin Gatlin, I'm waiting on you next. Oh, you heard hey, it, ladies and I'm gentlemen. I'm waiting on you, Gatlin. You heard Where the you challenge. At? You heard the challenge. Mm-hmm. On get Here your we pop- go. Get- Popcorn Ready Podcast. Coming up on today's show, we got Maurice Jones-Drew, three-time Pro Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro. Even in 2011, he led the NFL in rushing. That is a grown man in a little man's body. MJD is coming to the building, ladies and gentlemen. You said it. Grown man in a little man body. And don't forget to subscribe on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, and then after you, uh, yeah, definitely for anybody that's uh, watching, you're listening, uh, tune in to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Terrell Owens. Yeet. So welcome to Get Your Popcorn Ready Podcast. It's your host, Hatch, and my boy. What's up, man? This is T.O., man. Get your popcorn ready. We got more yes, Joe's Drew up in this piece. Yes, sir. <laughs> What's up, MJD? Holla at your boy, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate y'all, man. I'm, I'm doing well, man. Sorry I'm a little sleepy right now. I know it's, uh, it may seem like it's late, but I've been up since 2.30 in the morning doing work. So what's your, what's, your, what's your schedule like? Why are you up so early, man? Well, look, you know, I took a couple months off during the pandemic, but obviously once football started getting back, the network, uh, NFL Network wanted to start getting us ramped up. And okay. so... Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, good morning football, 5:30 a.m. Mm. Eastern time, East time. Coast time. Okay, yeah. and I'm on from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern, which is 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. West Coast time, as we all know. Mm. So I've been, you know, I'm, I'm fighting the good fight right now. I got a couple yeah. more days with it, but it's enjoyable. Like you get a lot of time to talk about whatever you want. Obviously, the Jamal Adams trade went down, so we spoke about that a ton. You know, mm-hmm. kind of the, the state of where the NFL is with all the testing and the pandemic and all those type of things. And yeah, just, just learning more and, and trying to give your outlook and your take on everything. Yeah, man. Let me say this, man. The NFL, it, it's going to be tough. It's, I, it's, I don't I, honestly I, I don't think you don't gonna, see it happening. Nope, not. They've already canceled Ooh. baseball games. They've already they're already postponing canceling baseball games because, you know, there's there's the coaches, there's players on yes. each team that have contracted the virus. So there's no game. Well, so that, now, I, I guess the only the only thing is for baseball, they're they're the first ones to do it. So maybe the mistakes that they're making, the NFL and NBA won't make them. That's I guess you, that's the only hope that I'm going for. There's too many more football players than baseball players. Yeah, so the yeah. probability of it not happening is very slim to none. It's very likely to happen. <clears throat> 
So, NJ, so it, what, I, what I've learned, guys, is that, look, NBA, they, you probably have 12 to 15 guys on a team. They mm-hmm. can put all those dudes in a bubble. You got only certain teams there, and you can kind of contain those dudes. Baseball, there's 25 to 33 or whatever it may be, and you're mm-hmm. starting to see that it's hard to contain dudes with money. Like, regard, I, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I got some cash in my pocket. I want to go out. We're seeing the Marlins in their situation right now. They're, they're having a lot of COVID testing. And then put that to the NFL. Now you're going to 53 to almost 70 dudes on a roster. 80. Practice squad. Well, 80, yeah, right? 80. 80 in training yeah. camp and all that. Yeah. Think about you have to contain those guys, the coaches, and the employees mm. of the organization. That, that's the toughest part. So mm. you have more than just the, the players you have to worry about. You have to worry about everybody. And, yes, the NFL is going to yeah. do their best trying to do it, but it's on the players and mm-hmm. everyone else to keep the onus on themselves and not mm-hmm. go out there and mess around. Okay, and well, let, we've already seen ahead. what happened with the NBA with Lou Williams. With Lou. So, mm-hmm. Listen, yeah, I mean, you, like you we said. We all know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what nobody oh, Okay, hey, man, so let, 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 let Hey, those let, chicken wings, those They fries, fire. They, they fire, fire, right? Hey. Have you been there, MJD? Yeah. Come on. Have you had the wings? <laughs> I've, I've been you there. had the fries? Everybody's I've had, had the I've wings had and the, the fries, fries at Magic. What? I've been there. Yes. Yeah. Now, okay, yeah. let me ask, let me ask y'all this. Is it worth it for that one time to get caught doing something like that? Are those wings and the fries, is all that worth it to get caught? Let me ask but y'all the that. The thing is, it's not even really the, the getting caught part. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just really, like, like Drew said, uh, MJD said, you have to take some responsibility. You got to have that honest to, oh, to sure. really kind of make that sacrifice. But then, like I said, you're going to have fans that are out there. They're looking to make headlines. They're looking to make any type yeah. of story, you know what I mean, out of nothing. So, again, if Lou doesn't take that picture, we're not even talking about Lou right of now. Course. Of course. Of well, course. I, I think the biggest thing is this, too. Like, you got to understand, there's 20-year-old, 21-year-olds, mm. the pocket full of cash. How hard is that as a, as a, as a player? And I, I, I spoke on this on TV. I said, look, I can't lie to you. I got in the league at 20. So right. you got, <laughs> I got a bunch of money in my pocket as a second round pick. I'm like, yo, like I'm trying to go see what the city is doing. I'm, I'm trying to go be with the people. And mm-hmm. so right. it's hard to, to have that mindset because when you're young, you're single, you don't worry about your kids and your family and none of that. Right. You're focused on self. So if I get sick, mm-hmm. all right, I can handle the two weeks or the 10 days quarantine or whatever it may be. But you forget about, you know, the older players or the assistant coaches or the coaches or the whoever, the, the medical staff or the equipment staff who yeah. has, they have families and then that your sickness can transfer over to them and to their family. That's what you have to think about. Right. And, and the thing, yeah. And the, right. And the thing is, is like, yeah, just say one of those players, those young players contract the virus or whatever, even if they don't contract the virus, just the fact that they have to go into a, a quarantine for a number of days, just the fact that they were in contact with, with staff players, whatever. Now it's, like you said, it's jeopardizing everything. So now everything's being put to a halt. So again, depending on when it happens, like I said, there's no game. It's broad. Trust me. The season, I mean, now that I see how it's all all shaping out, bro, it's going to be ugly, bro. Yeah. It's going to be ugly. I guess the the main thing is, because NBA, again, they had two months, right? They have two months they have to finish. Major League Baseball, they cut their season and have 60 games, what, three, four months. But NFL, you you have to go over the next seven months without, you know, a 10, 15 players getting getting this, uh, getting it on, on one team in order to play that week. So, again, in order to finish the season, I think it's going to be tough. But I think, I think they're going to start 
I really, I think they're going to try to push through it. They go, you know, do anything they can to start this season. But yeah, once you hit, you know, the, the kind of the long haul of the season, like say weeks four through 16, like right. that's when it gets real. It's, well, it's, it's going to be tough. Well, think about this too. Like when you look at the CDC and you listen to all these things, they talk about another outbreak happening in September. Yeah. November, yeah. So October, like when the flu season happens, flu right? Season. When you like, yeah. that's what, and so you got to be prepared for that as well. And players as a player as a staff member if you're single you have to be cognizant of who you bring to your house who you're talking to because you don't know what they're doing right, right. Like, it, becomes, <laughs> yeah. it becomes a big ordeal and that and that to me is what's scary about this that that's mm-hmm. the scariest part but yeah i commend the league because the league they're doing everything they can their power now every team has their own testing center they got this company that put every test like their own testing center in there so you're not mm-hmm. really messing with the cities that you're in and taking away from their stuff so they're trying to do everything they can to make this thing work. Now mm-hmm. it's on the people in the building to do their part. If you could do your part, you may be able to have a season. But if yeah, one or but, two people slip up, it's right, going to be a but, problem. It's a right, problem. This is going to be a this is going to be a daunting task. Are you talking about oh, yes. thirty-two NFL teams? That's yeah, like what? Like seventeen hundred plus seventeen. That's, yeah, two thousand players. Two thousand players um, plus Dude. another. Yeah, a hundred administrators oh and all that. Stuff. Bro, this is going to be ugly. I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to be optimistic to say, yeah, like you said, Hatch, it will start. Right. I don't see. I don't. Trust me, I don't foresee this finishing. I really don't. There's too many. It's, there's too many players. There's too many. Yeah, too many factors yeah. as to how this may just derail yeah. and just get off get off track. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you this, MJD: If there was one thing that you was go get caught for when you was a rookie, what would it be? Right, you you got to break curfew at eleven. What you go break curfew for? Ooh, uh, <laughs> as a going to get a snack? <laughs> well, well, it, it depends on what 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 day it is, right? Um, okay. Um, if it's Saturday, definitely going to get a snack. I, you know, I would definitely do that. But yeah. I think with the, what they have going on, my biggest thing is it'd probably be like me trying to go to a bar or something and just okay, just go hang out. You you would, yeah, you'd want to get out, right? Because I I'm young, like I want to see people, I want to meet people. You know, I right. want to you know, just conversate and or converse. Excuse me, converse. Yes, converse. But, uh, okay, I, I'm, we're gonna yeah, save I'm, you right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got you. We're gonna go to converse. I'm trying yeah, to make conversation. I thought you. I thought you was good. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to make it a word. We're trying to fix the English language a little bit to converse, but. I think that would be my biggest issue because now I got to be stuck in the house. And I used to play video games all the time, but you need a break from being in the crib. Like we've seen what what happened yeah. in America when we had to all be quarantined, right? Yep. LA shut down, New York shut down, all these places shut down. And then as soon as they opened up, people went crazy. And so mm-hmm. as a football oh. player, you're working out constantly, you're doing all these different things. You want to go out, be able to go out and enjoy the fruits of your labor. That's going to be the toughest thing. And at least for me, that would have been the toughest thing just to go out and just talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Well, yeah. Talking about, like I said, when you were young, again, you got in the league at 20, I kind of want to take you back to kind of start from the beginning, like take the journey with you as far as your whole career. But you were like one of the biggest stars in the nation, uh, you know, coming out of uh, De La Salle High School up in the Bay. And I remember, again, the the big game against versus Long Beach Poly, right? There was number one in the nation. Y'all was one, like y'all was two, like one and two in the nation or whatever. Um, and again, let's t- kind of take us back to like your journey and how it all started. And again, that one game, it didn't put you on the map, but it confirmed that you were going to be a superstar. Um, again, Long Beach Poly, as everybody yeah. knows, where I, I coached there a couple years ago, they always had athletes. They always got, you know, 10 dudes going D1. 
and you came on the scene and did your thing in that game. And of course, you know, kind of take us through your journey from high school. Yeah, yeah well, especially because I want to know because I, I, me coming from being being from the south, I didn't really know much about. You was in you was in San Fran when we was doing this work. What are you talking about? Right, he right down the street. I know that's what I'm saying. So yeah, that's where I got to hear a lot about De La Salle. Everybody kept talking about De La Salle, De La Salle. I'm like, what? And I heard about Long Beach Poly too. Like some of the guys that were on the team at the time, Chris Thomas and those guys, they were from uh, from that area. And so yeah, I got on the scene. I'm in San Fran, and everybody kept talking about this De La Salle, like. Like they like the number one, like the, one of the top, like the top schools, you know, in the country. And I'm like, wow, what? I'm like, man, these dudes soft out here. <laughs> but but no, no, no. Again, like I said, you coming, like you said, like Ash, you know, basically eloquently introduced and 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 basically discussed and like kind of wanted to segue into this. Like, yeah, how was what what was that like? Because me, like I said, I always kind of envisioned myself, or I saw guys that were. Your caliber. I, I mean, I had guys on my team that were your caliber in high school, four and five star athletes. And then, like I said, we weren't like number one, number two in the country. But man, like you said, walk us through that, man. What was that experience like? Well, like, so the crazy part is De La Salle, they never talked about winning. And that's mm-hmm. what people fail to realize. It was never about winning. And the most important season was the off season for us. So we started training um, a week after school started in the winter. So Let's say if school started January 7th, we were on the field working out, lifting weights and running January 14th. If you ran mm-hmm. track, you had to get up at 6 a.m. and work out until mm-hmm. your track was over. If you played basketball, if you did baseball, you had to do 6 a.m. workouts where everybody else worked out at 3. Um, so I remember going into that that like that like season where that offseason, our coach was like, look, we going we to, you know, y'all want to play Long Beach Poly in there. You know, I'm like – Okay, let's do. Let's go to work. Like, who they got? Like, what's going right. on? They're like, listen, they got this dude, this dude, and they got this this tight end that's six seven. Mercedes never, Lewis at the time. Never yeah. seen, right, we had never Mercedes. We had never seen nothing like that in my life. Yeah. I never played against somebody that was six seven. And so <laughs> we that offseason we were preparing, right? So we were trying to play because we didn't know if we wanted to play man against them, if we wanted to play zone. So throughout the summer, we would play some of the the local high schools that were from like our area that. Had some speed. We played man to man against me, seven on seven, and different things, trying to prepare for it. Um, and it's funny you say like this: is the game that is the game that put me on the map. I, I had nothing before that. I literally no one knew who I was. I was an outside linebacker, backup running back, and then mm-hmm. we played in the game, and I and I had a great game. And so going into that game, um, our coaches were scared. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, let's be honest. They had 22 guys going to Division One college. Going D1, yeah. yeah. And they had all these different dudes that end up in the league and size and all those different things. So our guys, we, we were nervous at first. Um, and I remember the night, it was a Saturday we played, Saturday night. And that Saturday, me and my boys, uh, Nathan Kenyon and Elijah Bradley, the other mm-hmm. two running backs that were there, we were watching Georgia versus Tennessee. And uh, the, the I think Tennessee punted the ball to Georgia. The guy caught it, went to the house, and he did a front flip in the end zone. And so my boy was like, bro, whoever scores first, that's what we're going to do. So I was like, wow. all right, I got you. Like, <laughs> and so we put our little back together. We're like, we're going to do this. So the game plays out, and I get the screen uh, on the on the first drive and break a couple tackles, and I do the flip. Wow. And, and that flip was to represent, like, we not, we're not scared. Exactly. We're not scared of yeah. anybody. We're going to come out there here and go. go to work. You know, the mantra at De La Salle um, and what it used to be back in the day was, like, we're going to out-hit you. We're going to be more physical. More you know, physical. We may not be as talented. <laughs> we may not be as, you know, big and strong and all that, but we're going to have – our will is going to be stronger. 
and we're going we're gonna to do the one thing that football allows you to do, which is to be physical. And so mm-hmm. uh, that flip kind of represented what we wanted to be about. Like, we're not afraid of nobody. We'll come to your place and we'll act a fool. And so that kind of put us on the map a little, not on the map, but it, it got us started. And then as mm-hmm. you saw, we just started playing better defense throughout. And so um, we ended up winning the game and um, it was crazy because, you know, we had where Long Beach probably had guys play like in the league, like guys just played left tackle and the guys just played linebacker. That was it. But right. we went both ways, right? We right, right. both ways. So <laughs> we didn't have a lot of, we had like 40, I want to say like 40 guys on our team where I think Polly had like close to 50, 60 dudes. And, and so they had a lot of talent. Um, but it, 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 that really gave us confidence in that game that like, okay, my homeboy had to cover Mercedes or I had to cover Mercedes or, you know, we had a defensive lineman going against their best guy and, and we were winning battles slowly but surely. And what they didn't see was every battle that we won gave us more confidence. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. It was like a little a little win here, you know, and it's like in the league. If I'm going against Ray Lewis and I beat him once, it gives me a little bit more confidence going against him the him second again. time. Like, all right, I got something for him, right? And so those little battles throughout the time became uh, – gave us more and more confidence as a team, and it just kind of projected us to just – you know, that season, I, I want to say that mm-hmm. might have been the best team that De La Salle ever had, that 2001 team, because right. we had 12 dudes go to the NFL off that team. Wow, that's so, a lot. That's major. Right, it, it was a lot of dues, right? And so we didn't have the the the. I didn't. I wouldn't say we didn't have the quantity of guys that Polly had, but we had the right. quality of guys yeah. that went both ways and made some plays. Yeah, and of course, from there, it's like you know, you you go to your UCLA, UCLA which is which is a whole different, uh, I guess, atmosphere. And again, you're taking that, like I said, football character integrity. Uh, you know, just toughness. And I don't know if they had that at UCLA at the time. So what was that transition like for you there? So it's funny because uh, there's another game we don't talk, a lot of people don't talk about. I had five offers going out of my senior year of football and I, I felt so disrespected. Like, T.O., <laughs> like, you know how that is. Like, you, what? Like, oh, like yeah. five? <laughs> I'm like, I'm yeah. like... It, yeah, definitely know what it's feel like to be disrespected. Even your boy Mike Rob, he disrespected me talking about I can't play in the league right now. I'm for he's 46. Tell Mike, <laughs> speaking of, I, I'll, tell, I'll Mike, tell Mike, let's, tell him to line, line it, up. Line it up. Line it up. He's going to be over there showing me some love. He over there hating stuff. <laughs> I got on, you. Mike. I'll, I'll definitely pass it on. Um, and so. <laughs> Like I play in this Cali Florida bowl. Right. And in the Cali Florida bowl is Ernie Sims, Antonio Cromartie, all mm-hmm. these big names out of Florida. And so, um, and they had, a, they had a bunch of cats actually like dudes that played, you know, high draft picks and, uh, John Beeson was on that team. Like they had some mm-hmm. dudes. And so, um, in that game, I played really well. I had like 150 all purpose yards, all these different things against this top notch team. And we ended up beating them. And uh, when I came home, I had a stack of FedExes from every school in the country, mm. every school in the country. But at that point, wow. to me, it was like, forget too y'all. Late. Like, yeah, I shouldn't have to did that. Right. It's too late. Right. right? So, <laughs> so um, I had to, I had the my choices for me were between USC, Oregon and Cal. I had our Oregon and UCLA. Um, I actually had Colorado. I was going to commit to them uh, right um, early on. But the coaches, Eric Bieniemy and John Embry had left and I didn't know where mm-hmm. they were going. So I wanted to I decommitted. And I was like, listen, I'm going to sit back and kind of see what's going on. Um, USC wanted me to play both ways. They wanted me to play defense and offense. So I know what that meant. They was just going to put me where they needed me. And they yeah. wanted to touch the rock. Um, Oregon, it rained the whole time. And so mm. I'm sitting and I'm looking at UCLA and I'm like, man, like 
their record isn't as good, but they're going to let me play and I can come in right away and compete against Tyler Ebell and a couple other dudes. That's what they were telling me. I'm like, shoot, I'll do it. Um, and when I got there my freshman year, I didn't really understand college at that point, right? I didn't understand the dynamic of 23, 24-year-olds and 18-year-olds and how you mix, mm, how you do all yeah. those things. So my freshman year, I really observed what was going on. Um, I didn't say much. I didn't speak out. I kind of let it play out. We were six and one, and then we ended up losing six games straight. We ended up being six and seven. I, I, I was like, I hate football. Like, I don't want to play no more type of thing. Mm. Um, and it was tough because it was the first time I lost. That's the first time you lost, right? I you never, never lost, lost in high school, high school. So I didn't know what it was like. It wow. was the first time I, I lost, so I dealt with that. And then just it was just different. So, you know, uh, I remember getting some of my freshman buddies and Mercedes, and I'm like, look, we're going to change the way this program is. Like, we're going to work hard in this offseason. We're going to challenge each other. We're going to push each other to be better. Um, and if they don't like it, we have to we have to squabble about it. We have to fight about it. So be it. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win. I didn't care. And um, so at that point, we, we sat down, we had a players only meeting. Uh, some words were exchanged. Some grabbing happened a little bit. You know, guys mm. didn't want to really fall in line. But after that meeting, they, they realized how important it was to a group of us what winning meant. And mm-hmm. so we said we said three simple rules. And it's so funny because rules that I live by. Uh, don't be be early. Like don't mm-hmm. show up to wait at six. We got to be there at six o'clock. Don't show up at five fifty seven. There you go. Don't do that. Right. That's early. That's early. It's not early enough. It's not early enough. Now, because you got me nervous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be there 10 minutes. 10 right. Minutes. I want to I want to see you. I want to see. You. <laughs> I want us all to be in here. So I know it's important to you. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. Wait room. Give me everything you have. Don't Jake, don't mess around. Push yourself every day because that's how we're going to mm-hmm. get better. That's how we're going to get stronger, right? That's how, yeah. that's why T.O. still running four, 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 six because he get in the weight room and he pushes himself and he work out hard every day. That's, that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the last thing was we can't let things outside affect how we play on the field, right? Don't yeah. let school, yeah. don't outside let your girlfriends, don't let your family. Like when we cross these lines, all that got to go away. We got to focus on what we got to do and we got to make it happen. And so, you know, it was new for some people because they they weren't used to that. But at De La Salle, that was the way. That was a De La Salle Mm -hmm. mantra. People don't even know that, but that was a De La Salle Mm -hmm. mantra. So um, we get in there the first year, we end up going seven and six, my second year, my sophomore year. My junior year, we end up going 10 and two. And Mm -hmm. it was because my junior year, we had everyone really just literally were like, all right, we're going to try, we're going to do this. And we, I remember that spring, which they don't do now. They'll never do this again. We went live every day. Yeah, I'm they won't never do that again. I'm talking about <laughs> seven, on, seven on seven live. Wow. Any drill we did was live. That was wow. a team. Oh, my. Boy, y'all was back there with that back, ooh, back in the day football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it old was, school. It was, it was real. like 80s. But listen, football. our defense played better that year. We were making mm. tackles, getting turnovers. As an offense, we were more physical. We went up. We beat uh, Oklahoma, who had an Adrian Peterson, a young Adrian Peterson on their team. We mm. beat uh, a Cal team that had uh, Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson and everybody. We um, I, we lost to Arizona, which we shouldn't have, but Arizona jumped on us. And then we had the big game against USC that I felt like we should have been prepared for. But the difference was, like that poly game where we were winning those little battles and it was giving us confidence, mm-hmm. SC was winning those little battles. They just started mm. trouncing us, right? We just couldn't overcome it. Yeah. Um, but to me, that taught me something. It was like, 
when you get a group of men together and you get them to believe in one thing or a couple things, unstoppable, anything is anything can happen. And so uh, that mindset, again, comes from De La Salle, comes from, uh, you know, all those little deals that I learned there. I was able to implement those at UCLA and it was phenomenal. And so uh, it sucks because I never beat SC. The year I leave, all my homeboys, (laughs) they beat them. And I'm just like that, right? But, but you but you planted the seed though because without that seed they wouldn't have been that type of team and obviously. and and and, and, and I, you know for me it was it was at the end of the day I didn't even need that like I was happy to see my boys go out there and and really dominate and and to see my boys be able to live their dream out playing in the league for however long they were able to do mm-hmm. but they understood how important it is to work out in the offseason how important it is to have each other's mm-hmm. back how important it is to communicate how you feel to another man um, mm-hmm. because that's how you change that's how you create mm-hmm. change is communication. And understand. Right. Now, going through that process of, again, creating this bond at UCLA, how was your individual, you know, aspirations going as far as, okay, am I, am I going to the NFL? Do I want to go to the NFL? When did that all come into process if you started seeing that this is an actual, uh, you know, it could actually happen for me to play in the league? Well, um, my, so my grandfather was like really important to me. He was a guy that went to every practice when I was a kid from soccer, baseball, but he didn't miss anything. Mm-hmm. Um, going into my junior year, he had a friend who worked for the, uh, the Jaguars. Um, it was, it's funny because he grew up with Dick Bass, who was a, a really good running back for the Rams, the LA Rams back in the day. And mm-hmm. this other guy, um, his last name is Perkins. I forget his first name. I, I, I it just slipped my mind, but he was a scout for the Rams or for the Jaguars. Jaguars. And they all okay. were roommates. They were all roommates at UOP together. And so he called my grandpa and he was like, Hey, they used to call him Jones. They're like, Hey Jones. Your grandson, man, he gonna be all right. Like, and mm-hmm. so my grandpa called me. He was like, "Would you do you think about? Did you think about the league?" I'm like, "Look, man, I'm just trying to win some games." Right, right. Like, right. I, I like, I'm trying not to go seven to six again. That's all I can. Right, about. right. And he was like, "Well, we should we should put together a plan." So I was like, "All right, what you want to do?" He was like, "If you break two national records, he was like, uh, uh, do do this for me. Put your name in to see where you'll go." Mm-hmm. So he ends up passing away during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, at one of our games and wow. I ended up breaking two records. I had the punt return average record and I was the only mm-hmm. player in college his football history to score five touchdowns. That wasn't a quarterback to score five touchdowns in a game twice. So oh, wow. I awesome. was like, all right, I'm gonna put my, my name in. When mm-hmm. it came out, it was like early second round, which is real concerned. They, and they're really conservative when it comes to juniors. So I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm good. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of how that process started was, you know, a friend of my grandpa's told him about it. And, and then coincidentally, wow. I, I ended up getting drafted by that team. And that's wow. the guy that stood on the table for that team to come and get me. So it yeah, was, that's uh, awesome. it was, it, it kind of comes full circle. Right. And so you say you were second round draft pick of the, you know, of the of Jacksonville Jaguars. I think I left the year before you got there. My last year in Jacksonville was 2005. You yeah. got there 2006. So again, but again, looking straight across the city was Reggie Bush, right? Was there these comparisons within or like, yo, I, you know, I'm going to, you know, be better than him in the league or am I better than him right now? How, how are those comparisons in your mind going, you know, once you went comparing yourself to Reggie? So it's funny because throughout high school, we compared, we were always compared together because he was in San Diego. I was in the Bay Area. We were the top mm-hmm. two running backs in Cali then. He was a mm-hmm. five-star. I was a four-star, but I won like the Heisman for high school football in the state of California. Mm-hmm. College, obviously he balls out. I would, I right. never, I'm like, bro, you going crazy. Like do your thing. Right. I'm not right. mad at you. Um, 
And we always, to be honest, people don't know this. We were always cool. Like we were always cordial with each other. Mm-hmm. Like my cousin went to SC, so I'd always be there and I'd see him and all these different things. Um, I think people took it, you know, out of context, kind of like, well, they have to not like each other because like, no, it's, yeah, it's competition. Like, yeah, it was just strictly competition. Um, when he got drafted number two overall, I was like, okay, like, let, let's see where I go. Like, I, cause I'm mm-hmm. trying to compete. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you always, and, and, and like as a, as a competitor, you always keep your eyes on everybody. It wasn't just him that I was keeping my eye on. It was all the guys that drafted ahead of me. Obviously Joseph Adai, D'Angelo Williams, Lawrence Baroni, mm-hmm. Lindell White. Like I was keeping mm-hmm. my eye on all them dudes because I'm like, I, I feel like I should have been the best back in the, in the thing. I ran the fastest 40 at the, t- at the combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of anybody in the running backs, I you know I did all the stuff that I needed to do, and I fought for the second round, which was fine. Um, but once I got to Jacksonville, I had a whole new like it, it became less about them and more about how can I find a, a way to get on the field. I got Fred Taylor in front of me. Yeah, right? Freddie T. So, yeah, so it's like <laughs> I got to try to find a way to get on this field so that I can yeah. show the world that I can ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that became what I became obsessed with more than. The other guys that were drafted or against Reggie and in, 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 in the pros, it was how can I find a way to get on the field so I can showcase my abilities? So, man, I mean, I know you all dressed up today, but I can also smell you through this video. You know what I'm saying? That's how that's how strong your cologne is, boy. But that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. This is that personalized Hawthorne home, boy. I know you want some. Get you some. I got a little bit, right? It's premium quality, right? Ingredients, convenient, easy to buy online, luxurious packaging. I already got some. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, you did the online survey. That's cool. Yep. Um, yeah, you can go in there. They, they, they provide everything from soap, body wash, shampoo, and of course, cologne. I already got got me some body wash coming, some soap, cologne. I got it all. I'm gonna smell better than you, young fella. Yeah, you need to get some more because you stink. Check out Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O and use my code POPCORN to get 10% off your purchase, Hawthorne dot C-O. I know you, like I said, you played uh, obviously running back, but was that special teams, was that in your mind or on your mind of uh opportunity uh, to kind of get on the field and really showcase what you could do um, as opposed to kind of just buying time, waiting. You know, it's always like a waiting game. When you're drafted and then you have a veteran in front of you, it's almost like a waiting game. You're almost like, you're kind of like, okay, you don't wish anybody get hurt, but you, right. you're kind of sitting back like, okay, am I going to do enough in training camp? Am I going to, mm. you know, uh, showcase and and put into the uh, the coach's eyes that I'm I'm worthy of maybe going rotation with this guy. Is there anything that I can do to eclipse what Freddie Taylor is doing to to get I guess get his spot? But there is other opportunities, as I mentioned, special teams. Was that something that was on your mind at the time? Yeah. So it's it's funny because they wanted me to return punts, and I was back there, and it was different because I, the college ball is a little bit is obviously much different than the pro ball, right? It's it's not mm-hmm. as heavy, it's easier to catch, it doesn't hit, it doesn't bounce off your pads as much. And the way I was taught to catch punts was like a baseball player, like with <laughs> like, like a baseball character catches a fly ball, and he's about to let it rip to home base. You got to have your right. foot back so you can catch it, and, and you know not waste any movements. But every time I try to catch it, the ball would bounce off me. Mm. Um, so I'm like, look, man, like, all right, this punt return thing ain't working for your boys. So <laughs> I, I, I get, I'll do kickoff returns, yeah, but I got to yeah. focus on another way to get on this offense because at the end of the day, special teams is, yes, it's a third of the game, but you're mostly going to play like at most maybe what? 10, 12 plays. plays. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not a lot. Yeah. So 
I, I knew that pass protection was a way for me to get on the field, right? Third downs. And, and it's funny, T.O.'s here because that was the first game we played, okay? Oh, really? Hilarious. Right? <laughs> in Jacksonville. And mm-hmm. I'm in there on third down. I had picked up a couple blitz pickups. I picked up Roy Williams, who tried to come on a little safety blitz. I had to ah, stun him, get him out the way. Like, you ain't nothing. <laughs> light work, light work. Yeah, light, I was like, you a safety. You ain't, you a DB. You ain't ready. But then I picked up a linebacker. And then yeah. all of a sudden, they did this this uh, this blitz or this defense where I had to block the Marcus Ware. Oof! Get your mind right. <laughs> there was nothing I could do. Listen get your me. mind right. There was nothing I could do, and so I go out there and I try to block him, and bro, he just blows past me and sacks Byron Leftwich. And I come to the sideline, <laughs> and I remember this like it was yesterday because Marcus Stroud just started screaming in my face. Uh-huh. He was like, "Do your job." Do your job. And I'm like, hold on, player. Like, right. That's like I shouldn't be blocking him. You know what I'm saying? Right. But <laughs> I understood what he was saying. And mm-hmm. to your to your 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 question, T.O., is I did knew like every play was so important. It didn't matter mm-hmm. if it was a 10 or 12 plays on special teams. It didn't matter if it was a two or three plays I had on offense. When I get on the field, I got to go to work. Period. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that changed my mind to be like, how can I get on the field to impact this game? So if it's punt return, if it's kickoff return, if it's mm-hmm. kickoff, if it's punt, I'm going to get on here and make an impact and try mm-hmm. to make tackles, try to make big plays. Do whatever. Big play matters. But that was the one moment where I was like, because, again, I'm thinking more on the lines. Again, I'm, I, sometimes you're naive as a youngster, but I'm like, I just want to get on the field and make plays. That's yeah. all I, I just, just want to score. Let, let, me, let, me, just, right. yeah, let me run the ball, coach. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Once I realized that special teams can make or break a game, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. let me, let me, I'm in all the special teams meetings. Yeah. They're like, nah, you're not doing punt today. I'm like, right. why not? Let me, oh, let me get on the field. <laughs> it became one of those things that I just wanted to, 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 to really impact the game the best way I could to help us win. Yeah. And, you know, that, that one lesson taught me that. And then mm-hmm. that's living for my career, for the rest of my career. Yeah. I used to tell rookies and, and, and young guys, like, you can change the game for, in one play. It don't matter what it is. Yep. Go out there and take that play per, uh, serious. Yep. Because, uh, um, of course, T always jokes with me about it. But, again, like, when I was in Minnesota, I was just clearing out. Like, I, I wasn't getting the ball the majority of the time, right? The ball had to go to Moss. It had to go to Chris mm-hmm. Carter. But I felt the same way. Like, this clear-out route is the best clear-out route by anybody. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> it, it, right. It better be, else, you know, I'm not going to be here anyway. So, and going back to your that moment, it really kind of set the precedence of, of, of you go, precedence of you being um, able to pick up blitzes because again you were one of the best backs in the league being able to pick up blitzes. We all everybody's seen the one with Sean Marion when you you know Sean Marion what six three six four two fifty at the time and you stonewall them you know and everybody sees that but of course that happened uh, game in and game out but just to be able to do that from the running back position kind of that kind of I think that's what you're talking about like that's very important to you and I think throughout your whole career that was important well I, I and you know I get a lot I got a lot of hate because I dropped Saquon Barkley in my top running backs um outside the top five mm. and everybody's like well, why would you why do he's yeah. one of the most talented guys and I'm like whoa 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 like it's not always what you do with the ball exactly because if I miss a blitz pickup and T.O. is running down the field wide open and our quarterback gets sacks and fumbles and we lose the game that's on me, yep. right? That ain't yep. on the quarterback. That ain't on the O-line. That's, that ain't on the receiver. That is on me. And so that's the one thing I said about Saquon is he, as great as he is with the ball, he needs to be mm-hmm. that same way without the ball. When you look right. at Christian McCaffrey, 
He he his game, he does Complete. it all. He Complete will take a He runs routes. All that, like, and so that to me is is a big part of the game that a lot of fans don't they don't look at. And mm-hmm. I'm not here to say Saquon can't do it because all it is is a want to. You got to want to go in there and hit the person. That, that's what it is. And he's big enough and strong enough to do that. And he and it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. He goes right. and he goes to the right guy, but it has to be the want to. The same way when you have the ball and you're stiff arming people, you have to be able to punch those linebackers and those safeties in the mouth when they come on a blitz. And, that, and that's yeah. what makes you a complete back. Right. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. And that, and that that comes with commitment, you know, not only to yourself but to your teammates. Because, like I said, it takes it, it takes eleven guys. Um, yeah, it it takes, yeah. You can't just go hard and go hundred percent when it's your numbers. When your numbers called, because you gotta think about the guys. When your numbers called, guess what? Ten other guys are blocking to make that to to make that play happen for you. So you have to do the same for other guys. And as you said, um, I, I I I totally agree with you. I mean, if that goes into your evaluation of guys as far as how you rank them, and he fell out, then. I'm say I think that should be a good thing. He should be pissed off that he's whether he whether he takes whatever you say into consideration and right. and 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 it really kind of value because you're bro you're you are a solid running back. You've done it. I mean, against some of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Like he should value someone's opinion like yeah. you because you've been there. You've done that. You have played the game. And you know what it takes to be one of the top backs in the league. You've been there. So for him to – he should be pissed off that right. he's not in your top five. Yep. Because and, and, and willing to go out and prove it that I'm going to get right. in his top five and go do everything. Well, this right. is the one thing I told him. Like, if I expect the wide receiver to go block the corner in their safety or crack crack replace or whatever what? you call it. Better do it. Expect me to pick up a blitz so when you get open. Like, that's, that's just how it goes. That's, that's, how this, right. that's how this game works. If I expect – these guys to do something, they have to, I have to be able to answer the bell when it comes to me. And, and so again, that's just, you know, that's just how I was raised. That's how I was brought up in the game, being coached right. by some of the guys, you know, that I was coached by like Kyle Shanahan, Eric Bieniemy, Tom Cable, you know, these mm-hmm. dudes that are, that are big names, John Embry, who are big names in the NFL right now. And then when I got to the league, it was the same way. Like Jack Del Rio used to always tell us like, bro, if you can't pass protect, if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't play. No. I don't care when I drafted you because guess what? That's who make all the money anyways, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and what yeah. and, and now that you mentioned that you and I'm thinking about really everybody because it for, for me now I see things in a whole different perspective. Cause now you think about like a year or two ago, how long have you been in the league? Like what three years now? Whatever the case, this may be his third year. Like yeah, one, but just going on three. Right. So just think about everybody's criticism of Eli Manning that he can't do this, he can't do that. Part of why Eli probably couldn't do what he was doing was because Saquon wasn't picking up those blocks. Right. Quarterback didn't have enough time to go through his progression, go through his reads. But nobody factors that into it because nobody's probably identified and pointing those things out. But especially ESPN analysts and things of that nature, that's something, again, Drew, you've obviously you've, you've picked up on that. That should be a highlight. Yo, Everybody's been dogging Eli Manning for, for not being productive the last couple of years. There's, like I said, there's a lot that factor into his production because, number one, there's the line protection. There's the obviously the running back. They got to pick up those, those blitzes, the other protections. All those things factor into how great a quarterback can be. Look at what Tom Brady has been able to do for a number of years. 
he's not able to do what he's done. Obviously, he has to keep his skill set sharp, um, obviously make the right decisions, the right, right reads and things of that nature. But he has a halo of guys. Halo means those, those big guys up front that are protecting him. Like I tell people, yeah, if I could, I could go out and play the I'm 50, if I had a halo of guys running in front of me where I can't get if you had If you had the best clear-out guy in the game, you could have uh, to play today. But <laughs> if, if the rules say that you can't touch me, I could keep playing too. Already. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's a lot of things that factor into, obviously, the success of quarterbacks. But Drew, one of those things that you just pointed out, especially people that are listening, these are things that factor into – Players, average players becoming good players, good players becoming great players. players. And as Drew, Maurice Drew, just uh, Jones Drew just pointed out, these are some of the things that factor into putting guys into that that elite. that stratosphere, yes. that elite category uh, of running backs is when they can do everything. And I, as you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey, he's one of those guys, again, especially, and it starts in high school and even in college. And I've, I just talked about this the other day. Sometimes it's not the most athletic guys. And I was telling my son mm-hmm. this. Sometimes it's not the most athletic guys, the most gifted guys that get on the field all the time. Sometimes it's the guys that know what they're supposed to be doing. Man. Mm-hmm. It's the guys that know what they're supposed to be doing Absolutely. with different protections that can pick it up quick, uh, efficiently. And again, those are sometimes the guys that, like I said, some guys in high school, it happens in college as well. Guys get mad because coaches put in a guy that's not as athletic or not as good as they are. Mm-hmm. But the coach are rewarding those guys because at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. And at the same time, it's teaching you life lessons too. It's those little mm-hmm. small things, those intricacies of offense, intricacies of, uh, intricacies of life that makes the big difference. And again, talking about this whole, again, you're 5'7". So you've heard your whole career, too short, can't do this. What You've heard it your whole career. Coming out in your in a high school, there were running backs that were 6'1", 200 pounds, right? The prototype running backs. And then you got the college. There was another guy. There was another 20 guys that were 6'1", right. 200. Those are perfect NFL types, right? But again, to overcome saying it don't matter because you guys aren't going to do it right all the time. You guys, ain't, you know, you're not going to show up all the time. So it's like those, again, what T just said, those are life lessons way more important than, of course, you saying, okay, well, you know, I'm five, seven, I can't do it. But of course, taking that, you know, I guess that chip on your shoulder, how'd you go throughout that process being the five, seven guy? Well, it's funny. I was coached by uh, Eric Bieniemy, who's like five. Another five, right? Five, another. Yeah. I, I'm taller. I was taller than him, so I was cool, right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, is that with or without the cleats? You were tall, right? I'm taller than him. Listen, I may be five ten now because I think he's, uh, <laughs> or either I'm growing one to two. But uh, he used to always tell us it's it's about your preparation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I was saying, and that was the De La Salle mantra: it's about the off season. That's how you prepare for the regular season, right? You put all this, all the hay in the barn or what you put all that work in the offseason to get you prepared for the regular season. Once you get in the regular season, it's all mental. It's no more physical stuff that you're trying to do. Now it's all mental. You're trying to get your game on point. So you used to make us think like the quarterback. I knew in college as a freshman, the progressions that the quarterback was going to do depending on the coverage and what the coverage looked like. Yep. So we were doing, let's say if we were running uh, a drive concept and it was man to man, I knew where he was starting. Mm-hmm. Right. I knew I probably wasn't going to get the ball so I could I can chip a little bit longer and make sure the protection mm-hmm. was. Good. If mm-hmm. it was covered two, I knew I had to get out of my route because I had to be a valuable check down. Mm-hmm. Everything else I had to be an option. Right. And mm-hmm. so when I started to think like the quarterback, 
when I started to understand the concepts, the route concepts and the different things like the quarterback, I became a so my, my game took a, a, a drastic change. And mm-hmm. so when I got to Jacksonville, I had to learn a new system. It was, it was, it was pretty much the same plays with different terminology. But again, once I, once Kennedy Polo, who's in Minnesota, once I started to think like the quarterback, I knew what he was going to check to. So I could mm-hmm. play faster, right? The mm-hmm. one thing that Kennedy Polo taught me that uh, EB really didn't have time to because of college were defensive fits, how defenders are going to fit the running game, yeah. right? If it's, if it's, if it's going to be an eight-man box and they, they're starting in two high safeties and that safety's coming down, you already know he's coming down because that linebacker's moved he's over coming. to the eight, right? He's already he's, – yeah. he's creating space for him to go in. This right. Hard, you know. And so that's why when you watch my, 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 my play in, in the league, Compared to college, I cut a lot of stuff back because guys weren't where they were supposed to be. Mm, and you knew so that. I could get, yeah, I knew that going in. So now all of a sudden my mind is, I'm like, okay, I know where you need to be. If you're not there, I'm going to hit it. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I could play slot receiver. I could play X. So we could do different things in the 21 package, personnel package. And it was all because I was taught to learn the game like the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that is what a lot of these – uh, coaches, I hope they're doing now. Don't coach your player just to learn what your he, position, right? Yeah, don't do that because yeah. that's not that's not going to help him. Teach yeah. him to learn the game like the offensive linemen, how they see the game, how they're going to double team and who they're going to pick up on blitzes, so you know who's hot if you're a receiver, mm-hmm. right? Learn yeah. the game like a quarterback. If you know, okay, it's cover three, he's going to be looking to my side. If it's mm-hmm. cover two, I got to make sure I do that outside release, clear out, and maybe yeah. I get a whole shot, right? Yep. If, Everything matters when you start to think like that. You start to play like that. You become one of those those uh, teams that are stop- tough to beat, and that's what the Patriots were. That's what mm-hmm. people don't understand. That's the Patriots all were like they were a mentally tough team. They knew exactly what was going on. Tom knew where to go with the ball. They knew where he was going with the ball, and that's why they could play fast. And that's why yeah. they won so many championships. Yeah, yeah. And I think to your to your point is that you're you're telling it for everybody that's listening. He's basically telling you know uh, really sh- stressing and expressing. Uh, you know, for everybody, these coaches, you can't coach your guys to be one dimensional. Right. Um, they they got to be very versatile, um, understanding uh, different coverages, understanding uh, different positions. And even like I said, there may be a tight end. Like when I was a receiver, um, I just could, I just couldn't learn the Z position, which was Jerry, uh, which is the flanker position. And then I couldn't just learn X, which X. was the split end position, which was J.J. Stokes. Then I started to how I began to really evolve my game is like you said, I had a very cerebral coach and understood my value. Once I became a little bit more seasoned as a, uh, as I progressed within the season and and my career, he understood that I could be more valuable playing different spots on the team. So at some point in time, there may maybe a week or two or a couple of days, he would tell me study Z, study X, and then he'll tell me. Watch what the tight end is doing. Watch what the Y is doing, which is the tight end. And then we went to three, we went to four Ys, we went to five Ys. And all these things started to add up. And at the beginning, as a rookie, it's a little bit overwhelming right. because you have a lot of stuff coming all at you at once. But as you just, as you said, if you just break it down in days of what, you, what to learn and you're watching guys that are running and, and, and playing those positions, it becomes a lot, a lot clearer to you. So now, like you said, uh, Maurice, you're you're starting to think like a quarterback. You're starting to look at look look like a lineman. Look at, the, at those linemen, how they pick up blitzes and they shift and make calls. 
and they shift the line, whether it's, you know, with the RPOs and things of that nature, right. now you become more valuable. So everybody that's listening, especially, you know, these parents and some, some coaches that may be listening, uh, learn how to get the most out of your athletes, you know, a little bit at a time. Like I said, it's always going to be overwhelming when you got a lot of information uh, thrown at you, but that's one way to really, uh, you know, excel and, and really propel your guys to, to, to be ready for that next level. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, again, right. Three time pro bowler, two times, right. All pro one time, second team, all pro. So in that 2006 year, now knowing what you know about the running back position, who was the best running back in the draft of 2006? That's what I want to know. Oh, I mean, listen, it, it doesn't matter if I didn't know that or not. Like, I, I, I always feel like I'm the best. It, it didn't matter. Like, I, right? I, I used to tell Jacksonville, like, y'all messed up. Y'all didn't draft me in the first round. You drafted my homeboy. Right. Mercedes Lewis went yeah. first round to the Jacksonville so that year. Yeah. I said, I said, I'm happy y'all drafted Mercedes, but y'all lucky I was there at 60. Right, right. At one. You know what I'm saying? But Absolutely. That, but that has to be your mindset because you got to think about it. And, and I always tell people, like, it has to be a quiet cockiness. Because mm-hmm. I'm going out there with a bunch of alpha males, right? Everybody Absolutely. Dogs and this and that. And, you know, especially me being 5'7", I'm going against dudes that are, you know, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, yeah. buzz clowns. I got to be able to keep my hold my own with them. And mm-hmm. so for me, it became a um, – it just my mindset became like, it didn't matter who you put out there, how many these dudes are in the box. Like, I was going to go to work. I didn't mm-hmm. care. And yeah. – that has to be your mindset because if you go out there timid, if you go out there a little nervous, so they're gonna eat, they're they gonna tear you up. Like they're gonna, they gonna eat your life. Yeah, and so you, can't, <laughs> you can't have you can't even if you're scared, you have to fake the fall. You gotta mm-hmm. you gotta have that false enthusiasm, that that false confidence. And mm-hmm. to me, like so, it's funny. You uh, had you know I was coaching the little kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, it's funny. Uh, shout out! Kids. Shout out to the T birds. Yeah, to the T birds. <laughs> I'm not there to work because work kind of uh, picked up. But so I'm coaching the little kids, and my my whole thing was I want to teach them the game of football, the, how to play it the right way, how to mm-hmm. drive block, how to stay low, how to run your routes, how to get off the ball, how to take handoffs, how to catch all the little things that we take for granted, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. the fundamentals. The yeah. fundamentals of the game, right? So Absolutely. that's all we did all the time. And it is funny because um, I would have some parents or, you know, kids like, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Like, I'm ready to do this. And I'd be like, well, then get your three-point stance and fire off without hitting your helmet on the little bar. Right. Bing, he hit his helmet. <laughs> right. Or here, take a handoff and read this run play. Like, we'd run stretch. I'd be like, read mm-hmm. the tight end. And then they'd make the wrong read. I'm like, you're not ready yet. Like, not ready. You have to do this consistently. And once we, as a group, do it consistently, then I'll move forward. And there you go. People didn't understand that. But as our team, we only ran six plays the whole year. We scored almost <laughs> 300 points. But as, <laughs> started to, as our kids started to understand what we were doing, all of a sudden, I could then start adding different formations and doing yep. right. And, and that mm-hmm. comes back to gaining that confidence when you know what you're doing. Can't mm-hmm. nobody tell you what to do. There you go. Right, right, right. What yeah. you doing? Like, and so yeah. that, it was all about having that false enthusiasm early, gaining a little confidence, and then keeping it going. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, man, like I learned so much from those little kids that it was just like, how can I teach them how to have like this dog mentality? How can I teach them how to have this lion's heart, right? When mm. you go on the field, it don't matter who we playing. It don't matter who's in front of us. We're going to go to work. Mm-hmm. And I realized it came with understanding what you were doing and playing mm-hmm. faster at your what you were doing than what they were doing. 
And once we realized that, we started scoring points at will. Like we were scoring 40, 45 points a game because mm-hmm. we they knew the six or seven plays that we were running. We could run them left and right. We can we can call them and and I didn't have to worry about people jumping off sides or any of that. Right. And them dudes took off and it, it was it was amazing to see. And it was great to see how they grew too at the next couple of years after. Yeah. 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 It's, it, I like what you said. I mean, um, what I gathered from that information is, is, is you're trying to t- teach these kids to do it consistently to where mm-hmm. then you can instinctively play to your max, to your potential. And then mm-hmm. I, 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 I just, like I said, I just, uh, I just did a, a Zoom call with my boy Todd Pinkston with his high school kids. And so what you just described at the end is that when you know what you're, when you know what you have to do, and there's no thinking in it, then you're able to play at 100%. Now you're you're allowed to, to play at your max. Mm-hmm. You, you're allowed to play to your the ability that the coaches have you on that field to play for. But when you're out there, if you're 80%, like if you're if you're if you're trying to play a hundred percent and you got 20%, you don't know what to do, then you're not gonna be able to play a hundred percent. You're gonna Playing be at slow. 80%, right? Because now you're trying to play and you're trying to think. Mm-mm. But if you yeah. 100% know, like I said, dialed in, you know, practicing, studying film, knowing what you're supposed to do, picking up blitzes, pre-snap reads, things of that nature, that's, that's, that's every position across the board. If you know yeah. what you're going to do sport. 100, yeah. Yeah, 100% before that ball is snapped, then you're going to be able to play lights out. You're going to yeah. be able to play a, 100% of whatever ability that you have. And that's how guys are able to elevate their game is when there's no question, there's no no if and if ands or buts about yeah. what they're supposed to be doing on the football court, on the football field, basketball court, whatever the sport may be. Yeah. And that's how you have guys that go from good to great because they see things before they happen and that comes with repetition. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think from the you got most of the like I said your your first rounders or your five stars in high school, it's like those kids, if they're not being coached, and then they get to that next level and they have to start thinking that's where their superstar athleticism goes down because they now they're thinking and they've never had to think before because they've had coaches that says, like you said, Oh, just give him the ball 20 times and he can go anywhere he want. Like he don't have to read nobody. Just go be an athlete just, or we'll put you out wide and we'll, we'll just throw you the go route. Cause we know you can jump up over everybody and catch the ball. Like that's not realistic football. And then they get to the next level. And then they can't think. And that's when they start, you know, looking like a very average player. Right. So, you know, it's all good. But no, and one thing we always do on the show, Drew, is um, we always do our top five. So, again, you know the running back position. So I want to get your top five of all time. Ooh. Right. Yeah. This is You can go back to the, to the Earl Campbell days or you can yeah. go to your Gale Sayers, but I want to get your top five of all time running backs. Ooh, okay. your Walter Payton, your Barry well, yeah, that, Sanders, it's, it's, it's a, your it's a Adrian lot of them, Peterson. Right, so. it's a I ain't even trying yeah, yeah. try to put no things in no, your head. No, I'm, I'm good. I got it. I'm ready. All right, so at five, <laughs> I'm going to go with Emmett Smith. Okay, um, Emmett Smith. And, and I'll tell you why he's at five. A lot of people say he should be higher, but I felt like he played with so many great players. It kind of knocked him down a little bit. I agree. Right? And, then, and that offensive line was awesome. All right. And time. it's not his fault because he's still a baller. Right. And anyone that plays 16 plus seasons as a running back or 15 plus seasons as a running back, mm-hmm. like you're going to be, you know, and he has the record. All that is just, you play with Troy Aikman. You had Irv. You had an offensive line. You had an offensive team, line. You had yeah. a defense. Like 
it was set up for him to be successful. So I'm going to do him at five. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really got to see Gail Sayers play, so I'm not going to have him in the list. At four, I'm going to go uh, LaDainian Tomlinson. And wow, I'll okay. Um, LT. LT was a guy that I got a chance. Again, these are guys that I got a chance to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a chance to watch him uh, up live and in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a chance to play against him. But growing up, I got a chance to watch him. And his game was like, to me, he was one of the the, the best guys that people didn't really call versatile, where he could catch mm. the backfield, he could do yeah. all, throwing touchdowns. He was doing everything, picking up. Yeah, like a Marshall fault, like a Marshall fault. Yeah, like Marshall, right? Yeah. Um, and and I definitely like, I'm glad you said that because I, uh, number three is Marshall. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I already know. You know already. I mean? Marshall, you know, he was a colleague, he was a colleague for me. Um, and, like Marshall, what he was able to do in that St. Louis Rams, like the thousand thousand thing is always tough. Roger Craig is one. I'm just, it wasn't a Niner fans growing up, so I can't put no Niners on my list. <laughs> um, but um, like what he was able to do, the thousand thousand, the way he was utilized, like all mm-hmm. those things, like that changed my game. Those guys changed my game because then all of a sudden I'm like, I got to be able to catch the ball. Yep. I got to start being like these dudes. If I want to play in the league, I got to make sure that I can go out there and play receiver and mm-hmm. run routes. And I, I actually took Marshall's little skip cut, you know, mm-hmm. like all those things. I started taking from guys, uh, those guys when I was younger. Uh, number nice. two is going to be Jim Brown. People will say, well, if you didn't watch Gail Sayers, how'd you watch Jim Brown? Well, you can't turn on NFL Network and not see Without him. see Jim Brown, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the other reason was I had a, a running back coach, Ernest Miner, who once yeah. we, would wa- we would watch uh, some older guys run. Mm-hmm. And he would say, you know, a real running back, if you slow their takedown and you play it to uh, classical music, it'll look like he's moving to the classical music, right? Wow, wow. So he showed Jim Brown. And man, listen, at the end of the day, anybody that led the league in rushing eight years in a row or nine years in a row and did all that he did, for not <laughs> only, you know, the game of football, what he did for obviously our, our community and all those things, like mm-hmm. Jim Brown is, is awesome. And then it's crazy because in 2012, I went to the honors, NFL honors in Louisiana, and uh, I got a chance to meet him. But what, what was most important is my uncle got a chance to meet him. Mm. And the way my uncle, uncle went up crazy. Jim Brown. Oh, <laughs> my uncle was like, that's Jim Brown. I was like, Uncle Ben, you want to meet him? He's like, yeah, I want to meet him. So I, was, I walked over to him. He was like, hey, man, how are you? Had a great conversation. I was like, look, it's my uncle. He was like, hey, what's his name? I was like, Uncle Benny. He was like, Uncle Benny, what's going on, man? I was nice. like, Jim Brown, cool <laughs> as hell, man. I ain't even yeah. mad at him, right? And then obviously number one for me is going to be Barry Sanders. Absolutely, number that's one. That's the guy that I watched more than anybody when I was you know, living, when, when my grandpa would just put him on tape. Like, look, mm. I don't know how tall you're going to be, bro. <laughs> right now. So you need to yeah. watch the way he moves and, and how he changes. And, you know, Barry did. Oh, ridiculous. Yeah, right. And so, you know, to me, Barry is the best running back to ever play the game. Um, He didn't really have much when he was in Detroit, but he was able to go out there and make plays. Um, And he walked away from the game. Like, the reason he walked away from the game to me was like, and I know there's so many different stories about it, but the one I heard was that he didn't want to break Walter Payton's record. Out of respect. Out of respect. And, And to me, that is you know, one Amazing of the biggest integrity. Like, that's yeah. so humble, right? And yeah. and as good as he was to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to sit back and not do that uh, was a huge deal for me. 
Yeah. That, that, man, yeah. I like that. Man, I like the way you describe, you know, um, just kind of painted a picture for me is that obviously you were saying that the guy that told you that about the classical music, like if you slow the tape down and Ernest Minor, it said it said it would it would look like they're what, dancing to the music or mm-hmm. man, I, I think if you did me like that, man, it would be a masterpiece, man. It would be artful. <laughs> no, you no. had a ball like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> you running play, down the field, man. You play, you play some rock and roll with you, man. <laughs> no, no. The Molly <laughs> crew. What? But once I got the ball, it was like it's like Beethoven. You know what I mean? No, it like, wasn't. Was, no, it wasn't. You never it was, know. It's like <laughs> like Michelangelo. It's like some of these esteemed, prestigious pieces. You know what I mean? No. Of art, music. I'm entertainment. You know what I mean? I'm a I, walking I, piece of art. I am. I am not mad at you about that because I, I, mean, I, I. You know what? I like that out of you, Maurice Drew, because you can appreciate it. This guy right here, he's don't, a straight bone. Hey, MJD, hater. don't listen to that BS dog. He ain't man, no piece of art. I, I, he's man, a piece of trash. He's hey. a piece of trash. <laughs> this is, see, this is what this is what he doesn't understand, Maurice Drew. This is a lot of people that come on the show. He. He doesn't really fit into our category. Greatness recognizes greatness. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I we may have started out. Balling as an OC for Long Beach Poly, man. I had my eyes on him, man. He had the boys run that West Coast offense. Already. I appreciate yeah, that, I, I baby. I was watching, but I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Throw him a little nugget. He'll take that. Away, <laughs> so, hey, Throw real quick. Little. I got to tell you about this story. It's, it's crazy. So, in 2003, um, my high school team was, was recognized by – the Niners, right? So we went out uh, at halftime, mm-hmm. we did all this thing, but it's crazy because the game that we went to was that playoff game against the Giants. Ooh. Oh, wow. I, wow. I went seven, was it 72, 76 yards on the first play? On the first, first play. play. You, I first, was going crazy was, over there. Well, I wasn't because I was like, man, forget the Niners. Oh, but, yeah, you didn't like them, right? Yeah, right. But, but we was in the stadium, right? So I was going to support my, I was going to support regardless, but it was the craziest game I'd ever seen. And I've only oh, yeah. been games and like before I played in the league I went to a, a Raiders game with one of my high school teammates and then I went to that one right wow and yeah like as a high school senior I was like man like I wonder if I could play with them dudes you know like like because y'all was going at it like it Dude, was it was crazy yeah we, was we a, were down 24 at halftime bro and they came, came roaring back and I'm like man like is that what this is like but mm-hmm. seeing that and seeing the way them dudes played gave me that that inspiration to go out there and go get it because yeah so yeah. many times as kids you don't get to see that every and I commend playing people who yeah. don't live in like the Bay Area or places where there's NFL teams where you can get to because all you can do is watch it on TV you don't get to see that in person yeah right in person is a completely different experience a whole so different ball game when you see that thing in person how fast guys are moving and how how guys are you know doing what they're doing it inspires you to be great. So I had to tell you, like, 2003 really, you know, really changed everything for me. You know, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. uh, I got to go out here and really go to work. The other thing yes. I'm going to tell you is this. Mooch uh, brought his kids to, uh, to a De La Salle football camp, I think, when I was in the sixth grade. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, as a kid that came from not where Mooch is from, you know what I'm saying, where he was living. Right. Right, we right. To, we had to try to take advantage of his kids and, and try, to, <laughs> try to, you know, show them how we played ball. But uh, it was awesome because I got a chance to meet him at that football camp. And then obviously mm-hmm. a couple years later, I got a chance to see you guys in that 2003 uh, playoff game do, do that type of stuff. So it, it was actually pretty dope to see everything come full circle, man. 
That's awesome, man. That's a great story. Again, it's like when you get inspired at that moment and that moment never leaves you, like people don't understand, like that's what it's about. That's what the dreams are about. You know what I'm saying? Just want to congratulate you, dog. You keep doing your thing at the NFL Network. Uh, you know, I said, you know, get up. when I go wake up and watch you, I'd be a little no. bit too early, but uh, you keep doing your thing. We appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah, man. Hey, if you need a, you need a, you need a sidekick over there at the NFL Network, you got a mouthpiece right here and you got some eye candy in myself. So, you know, oh, they, gonna, hey, they, they don't, gonna, they don't hey, want, they don't want you hey, over so, there, man. I'm going to tell they, you this hey, right now. Hey, they're going to let you wear the sunglasses inside. So you should have to No, he going to try to wear them. He going to try to wear them. that rock, man. And he going to be late. Anyway, now, he ain't gonna show up on time. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm already cool with that because, like I said, they already have some stars already that have been on NFL Network. It's still on now. So they got Michael Irvin, they got mm-hmm. Deion Sanders. So I'm gonna fit right in. So I, oh, I you, ain't you know, what I mean, in. so it's all great. I can, I can remove the shades, but as soon as I hit the door, they going right on these eyes. Though, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, 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 like, hey, they, they need, hey, they need some, they need some oh, right here on NFL well, Network. I'm gonna man. make sure but I have a message. Uh, hey man, hey, they're gonna have to pay me though. But I, hey man, I appreciate, like I said, like Harry said, man, we appreciate you coming on, man. I've enjoyed you. Um, just as your football career, I mean, you're doing the same thing. You're making those strides in the media world, man. I always kind of watch uh, and, and watch y'all go back and forth. You break down tape, giving your analysis, uh, giving your opinion on different things or what have you. But uh, yeah, man, it's good. To, like I said, personally know you. Uh, but yeah, just uh, just to just to watch your evolution, just go from like I said, I kind of like I've been over the NFL Network when you kind of just started out, you know, doing a few things here and there. But man, I appreciate you coming on, get your popcorn ready. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. I hope everybody that's been listening, I hope they enjoyed it. This is definitely one of the top running backs that ever played the game. A little bowling ball of a guy, but he made that thing happen. <laughs> Listen, I, I, last thing I'm going to ask, I'm going to need them workout. Uh, I'm, I'm getting skinny, man. I'm getting my APAC back, you know what I'm saying? So I need to get your workout plan. Uh, feel free to, to, to have – Oh, uh, man. Text me. Anytime, man. Popcorn, morning, noon, and night, man. Popcorn. <laughs> there it is. Get the popcorn ready. <laughs> All right, fam. I appreciate you, brother. No problem. All right. No peace. Doubt. Now that we have it, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today was MJD Maurice Jones Drew. Appreciate him coming on, man. Hey, that was I tell, what I tell you that when he was five seven. Again, he probably been five seven his whole life, but <laughs> it's just it's just good to for these you know people out there to understand. Like I said, you know, kids nowadays, what is he too, right. too short? Am I too small? It don't really matter. Like just right. go in, go out there, put the work in, and you can make your dreams come true, regardless of you know size, height, weight, anything, especially in football. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you definitely have to uh, separate yourself from the stigma of, like I said, being too short, um, not tall enough, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, um, not fast enough. Yeah. Um, he's a guy. I mean, there's a number of guys in a number of sports. When you think about Muggsy Bogues uh, yeah. in basketball. Uh, you think about the Chris Pauls, um, yeah. guys like that. Um, that that uh, Spud Webb, these are Spud guys. Webb. That, yeah, I mean that have defied odds. You know, especially when you playing a sport where there's guys the average height is probably like mm-hmm. at least six five. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Maurice Jones Drew, um, obviously, like I said, to 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 take the route that he took, I think with him having the success at De La Salle, obviously put him on uh, on on a pace and. And he used that platform of what he was able to establish there at De La Salle to carry on through UCLA and then definitely well into the pro and National Football League. So, uh, yeah, man, it was very insightful just to hear 
about his journey. Um, I know uh, a lot of what the information that uh, he shared with us today, uh, very, very insightful. And I, I hope a lot of people get a lot out of, uh, out of the show. Yep. And speaking of De La Salle, it's going to take us to our three and out segment. Uh, and I want to start it out with, again, the mindset he took from De La Salle to, to UCLA. Like remember he was saying, like I said, they were, I think, six and seven or seven and six his first year. He said then that next year, like he got, they had a team only meeting and he was like, you know, the three things that you want to take away from this off season was be early. Right. Um, be on, of course, be early, be on time. Um, no outside distractions, right? All these things he got right, from right. Ray LaSalle. And I think mm -hmm. those those things are like his life mantra, you know, not just for that one offseason. That end up being his lifestyle and end up getting him to the next level and, of course, having a successful NFL career. Right, yeah. And, and, and to piggyback on that, number two, I guess it would be that same mindset um, after their first couple of seasons. Um, again, it was, it was obviously, like I said, he took upon that leadership role and then uh, he I really kind of just gathered the troops, gathered those guys and and had them commit to really just the, the next coming season to the to the point of they were training a week after the season. I've never heard of such a thing in my life. Yeah. Um, I know that we're especially in the South, Southern football, when you talk about that's what they do. They eat, breathe and sleep football. I, I, I've never heard of, you know, you ending the season and then you're right back at it. Uh, training like a week after. Usually, you don't see football. You don't start talking football till the spring. Mm. The fact that these guys, again, he took it upon himself, and he was uh, so headsy and just motivated to 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 really put uh, De La Salle kind of on the map and continue um, mm -hmm. on the quest of what they were trying to achieve. To to do that, get all these guys on the same page and train. That 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 was super amazing to me. Absolutely. And on our, th on our third, third and out or three and out, I got to kind of want to switch it up a little bit to me is like um, how he's catching a lot of feedback for not putting Saquon Barkley on his top five running backs in the NFL right now. But his reasoning behind it is so real. It's like right. you have to respect it because they're not, again, he's not looking at it like an ESPN or NFL network commentator. He's just like, this is what you need to do to be able to be a successful running back in the NFL. Just because you're big, strong, fast, and athletic and can run with the ball doesn't necessarily make you a great running back. You have to do everything. You have to be able to pick up blitzes. You got to be able to catch the ball at the backfield. And so for him to not have him in his, in his top five, I know he's catching feedback for it. But again, it's an honest opinion from somebody who knows the position. Absolutely. And it makes perfect sense for somebody that feels like, and myself, I feel like I was a complete receiver. It, it's more than just catching, catching footballs. I'm sure Hatch, Absolutely. you can attest, this, attest to this as well. You playing the receiver position, I'm sure your coaches, they told you, yeah, sometimes you got to go in there and crack that defensive end. You got to go in there and crack the, uh, the linebackers or the safety. Sometimes you got to do the uh, the bloody and the dirty work in order for that play to 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 evolve and develop. And mm -hmm. part of that is picking up blitzes, going mm -hmm. in, like I said, making big blocks, um, picking up hot reads, understanding uh, the coverages. It's more than just being offensive minded, being one dimensional. And I, like I said, I commend. This is what networks need. They need guys like Maurice Jones, Drew. Uh, who's going to obviously, like I said, observe, obsess, uh, mm -hmm. assess, and analyze each position 
and put those guys uh, in their in their ranking order accordingly. So again, I I, I don't blame him. Um, I completely I agree with him because again, it's it's more than just if that's the case, you can might as well you might well say he's being selfish if, if that's the case because right. all he wants to do is run the ball. He doesn't want to do any other the dirty work. Uh, yeah. the, the dirty work. Uh, to in order to make the t- uh, the, t- the the team uh, a success. There it is. Well, shoot, since you understand that concept, okay, so let's end the show with the scenario, right? It's third okay. and 15, game on the line, third and 15, 30 seconds ago, need to get in field goal range. You got a four receiver set. They're in a cover three where the safety comes down to our right. You're in the slot to the left. I'm on the outside to the left. We have a seam dig concept. You're on the scene to clear out for the dig that's going to be thrown to me. Do you do it or do you not do it? Man, I'm running that I'm running that seam like I'm about like I'm about, I'm going to make that I'm going to make that corner. I'm going I'm going to make him think that I'm that you getting it that I'm going to be a viable option and with yes. me clearing out if if that quarterback assesses and sees that I got a step on him even with me clearing out I make myself an option because he very well this could is throw true. me that ball. This so is true. Again, I could be like I said, he may stumble or whatever as I'm clearing out. But as as my primary goal, that's to clear this guy out because I know I have a dig route underneath, and I want here I come. I want to be able to create create a window for you to Thank know you. that you're not going to get knocked out going, going across yeah. there, and it's going to give the quarterback a window so he can deliver the football. Thank you. We won the game. I catch the ball. I score. I have a great career. I go to the Hall of Fame and you're back home doing nothing. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in on Get Your Popcorn Ready podcast with the Clear Out King. T.O. is in the building and the new Hall of Famer hatch. (laughs) You a jerk. Oh, yeah, there it is. Hey, everybody, don't forget to tune in and subscribe on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your podcast. Yes, sir. Yeet.